Virgo side of star coming to you with another episode of A Day in the Life of the Alpha Woman, the official podcast of the Easy Breezy Life community. Before I jump into today's episode, I just want to remind all of our wonderful listeners that the Easy Breezy Life is a community of strong-willed women who are just as fierce, focused, and fired up as ever. And everything that we share on this platform is for education and entertainment purposes only. If you need professional assistance, we suggest that you get a lawyer, doctor, a financial professional, anybody that you need. Because again, the Easy Breezy Life is a group project and we want you to be marvelously helped, darling. So we're going to take a quick break and then I will be right back after this break. Sis, it's 2020 and no, it is not canceled. If you've been sitting on that golden egg idea, sleeping on your gifting, sleeping on your anointing, and not sure about where to start to launch your side hustle, your podcast, your blog, your business, I want to help you. Visit www.easybreezy.life forward slash shop to learn about our mastermind series. And we got swag. We got a beauty supply. We are selling so many things on here now, sis. I want to share this level up season with you. And I also want to help you level up. So don't forget, visit www.easybreezy.life forward slash shop to sign up for our mastermind series now. They're affordable, but only for a limited time. Love you much. And I'll see you at the top. And we are back. So we are narrowing down. This is the second to last episode in this love series, after which I will be taking a break all July um, from podcast episodes. I will give you some affirmations and some little things here and there in between, but we're going to take a break because sis needs a break. Um, My son, Mighty Manny. A book featuring his story and experience is going to be dropping in July. Um, I hope you all check that out on my website and that you get a copy. Uh, It's going to be available for sale at multiple bookstores. So I'll drop all of those as the time draws near. But I want to take some time to really focus on the book, um, laying to rest a very traumatic experience for my family and coming to peace with just everything that happened in that experience for us, understanding that, you know, we are still very much going through the healing process and journey for our son, for ourselves. Um, This past weekend, my husband and I finally went after three years to lay the ashes of our daughter, Sophia. And you know, we held on to the ashes, not really because we were holding on to her, but because we just had not We just didn't have time to mourn, right? Sophia passed away the next day. Emmanuel had brain surgery. (laughs) You don't have time to mourn when you have a child going into brain surgery. And so it was so traumatic for us. But this past weekend was also so healing for us as we worshiped, we prayed, and just told God, like, thank you for this life and everything that it meant to us and how much she blessed us and how much she changed our marriage, how much she changed me, how much she changed my husband and our foundation as a couple for the better. 
And there are probably other moms listening to this. Losing a child as a mom is no joke. And I just always think of what about the moms whose children were 20 years old or five years old. I'm like, if I can feel this much pain for a child who never left the NICU, I wonder what moms whose children are killed, tragic deaths. I just don't know how those moms cope when you've poured into, sowed into, raised, educated, parented your child and have all these hopes and dreams for their future um, to have someone take it away from them senselessly, you know? And so my heart goes out to all of the mothers who have lost children, um, who may be struggling with that. It's, you know, a definitely one of those decision points or pivotal points in our lives where we have to choose, like, is this going to destroy me or is it going to make me better? And my choice was no matter how difficult that road is going to be, we, as a couple, we're going to allow our trials and tribulations to make us better and to make us level up. And so as I look back now, I am grateful for what this experience has taught us. I'm also grateful to be able to take Emmanuel's story and convert it into an unlikely superhero story of Mighty Manny that talks about a young boy who runs through troops, leaps over walls, who has a cape of many colors and who is just favored and marvelously helped. And I think when you see this book and coloring book, because it's two in one, uh, you will see the finger and touch of God and just how God's presence was there for us throughout that journey. So I'm excited about it. Funny enough, when I started writing the book, I had no idea that a pandemic was coming. No lie, no exaggeration. I was going to write a book about young women and like leadership and hustle. And something was like, nope, don't write a book about that. Don't write that. Write about Mighty Manny. I didn't know that we were going to have a pandemic and that there were going to be people in hospitals and all these things going on. And I say that to say that the Holy Spirit will direct you to let you know what you need to be doing when you need to be doing it. Do we get it 100% right all of the time? No, but it is certainly better to plan with God than to plan without him. So very excited about the lives that are going to be touched by this book. And really, I'm not even going to lie. I'm at the point at my life where I'm like, anything the enemy throws at me, we're going to Kardashian that whole situation. Um, And for me to Kardashian a situation is like, you give me struggle and I'm about to monetize that struggle and turn it into a payday and turn it into a testimony and turn it into a blessing. You give me a lemon, I'm making it lemonade. I don't care where it comes from. I don't care who throws it. I'm turning that into marketable lemonade. People may have mixed feelings about that. My feeling is that I refuse to struggle for no reason. I refuse to allow my testimony, my pain, everything that I've gone through in my life experience to be for nothing. At the very least, somebody's got to be touched by it. Oh, and it doesn't hurt if the enemy who tried to rob, steal, kill, and destroy from my family has to compensate me sevenfold, 100-fold, for that. That's my viewpoint. You ain't got to agree with it, but that's sure enough how I feel and I'm sticking with it. So let's get into this week's topic, which is love is perseverance. 
Ooh, persevere, which is like through severe. Literally, that second part of the word is severe. That means it's serious. I mentioned to you guys that each time I talk about something in the love series, I feel like I'm either being tested, stretched, questioned, challenged to step up my love walk in any particular area. And perseverance for me was no different for this week. Truth be told, I feel like I've been tested on perseverance for the past five years. The other day I was praying and I'm like, Lord, I know the word says long suffering. I have suffered long. I have suffered long. I know it ain't as long as some people, but Lord, some of these things got to come to an end. I lie to you not. Some folks is about to get the paws on them, just like little Scrappy. Give them the five finger hello right across their face. Seriously, like <laughs> nothing says perseverance like knowing that you're coming from a history of anger management issues and having to endure people who are just trying you. Like you just feel like they trying you all the time. And God's saying, I know they're trying you. I know, I know what they're doing. I know you can feel and see that, but I want you to love. Keep on showering more love. And I'm like, I don't know what game it is that we playing. I don't know. I don't like it. I don't like how it feels. But nevertheless, Lord, at thy word, I'm going to throw this net back into the water and be a fisher of men and women because that is what would be pleasing to you. So let's talk about it. You know, I like doing definitions because I want us all to start from the same frame of reference and talking point when we are looking at these topics. So perseverance, according to Merriam-Webster, is continued effort to do or achieve something despite difficulties, failure or opposition, the action or condition of an instance of persevering. It is steadfastness. What is steadfastness? To be steadfast is to be firmly fixed in place. This is the equivalence of being deeply rooted, y'all. Not subject to change. The steadfast doctrine of firm, being firm in our belief, determination, being loyal, just, you just a rotted. Basically to persevere is to ride or die. We're just going to put it that way. Whenever you think persevere, persevere means God is like, oh, is you riding or not? And the opposite of that is really to be changeable, fickle, you're idle, inattentive, inconsistent, negligent, you know, just, you know, uh, remissive, sloth, just sloth. What is our anchoring scripture today? As you know, it is the love series. So I'm not going to reread the entire Corinthians verse to you, but I'm going to take you to 2 Corinthians 4, 8, where it says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. For me, perseverance is life is coming at you left, right, front, back, center, and you are like, I don't care. I know who I am, which is essentially like, you know, my husband and I's life for quite some time. You know, it, it felt like every time we turned around, you would think that you're in the NICU and so no other part of your life would act up. And I lie to you not that we went through the NICU and different parts of our life acted up in every single season. And so what it actually forced us to do or forced me to do for the first time was to live life outside of my feelings. 
I, I could not. There's no way we would have gone through that experience if I was walking around actually living out my feelings. Now, granted, it didn't mean I didn't have feelings, right? Didn't mean I wasn't feeling things. I just knew that I had to keep my head in the game, that I could not live in those feelings at that given moment because it might cost us the real battle at that time, which was my son's life. And when I tell you that when we are in the hospital, the microaggressions, the experiences that we have, the times that I wanted to flip a table and hit somebody's doctors right up the side of the head with their little, um, uh, uh, I don't know what that thing is that they do the heartbeat with, but the number of times that I wanted to take a hospital or medical supply and go up somebody's head because they said something ridiculous or slick or inappropriate or insensitive. If I were living in my feelings, these hospitals that my son had to come in and out of would be telling a completely different story than um, they are currently saying about our family and how pleasant we were and how educated we were. Trust me, inside it was a rolling boil. So what else does the scripture say about perseverance? It is to rejoice in hope and to be patient in tribulation and to be constant in prayer. Interesting thing about tribulation is that tribulation will constantly keep us in prayer. Now, does that mean that God sends tribulation to build up our prayer life? We have to get some things clear here on the easy breezy life. Cause you know what? I know that in the body of Christ, we got a whole bunch of different doctrine, but I'm just going to tell you what I believe and the place that I preach and teach and live from. And you can make a decision as to whether or not you want to continue on this journey with me based on my view of doctrine. I do not believe that God sends sickness. I do not believe that God kills babies. I do believe that God is sovereign and he watches those things and he does have to allow them and he doesn't always stop them from happening. Does it mean that it's his will for all of us to suffer premature death? No, but I do believe that we live in a broken world and some symptoms of living in a broken world is brokenness, brokenness in finances, brokenness in life cycles, brokenness in systems. This is what happens. Now, is it possible for us to live the abundant life here on earth? Yes, I believe that. I have to believe that. My life circumstances require me to believe that. I am not changing my mind from that because that position of believing that we are already in victory in Christ is the position that allows me to move through my day to day, to make moves, knowing that I have a child with complex needs, knowing that we're coming from a medical diagnosis that basically said his recovery was impossible. If I did not believe in a God of the impossible... I would not be able to move and persevere through my day-to-day life. So that is what I believe, y'all. This is what Sada Star is about. You've got to make some decisions. What are you about? Why do you believe it? Because I lie to you not, at some point, your faith, where you're standing is going to be tested. And what you believe in that very moment and what's at the core of your being might mean the difference between you enduring, persevering, or falling away from the faith. And I'm off the soapbox. So let's go into some biblical examples of perseverance. I think my favorite one is the story of Prophet Hosea and Gomer. For those who are not familiar, Prophet Hosea is a prophet in the Old Testament sent to the people of Israel at a time that they were just trifling. Trife. The the behavior was just trife, okay? Okay. God had brought them into a promised land. They decided that they loved the gifts of the promised land and the idols of the promised land and the blessings of the promised land more than they loved God, turned away from them, and their destruction was imminent. 
Now, at that point, to demonstrate God's love for Israel, he appointed Hosea to marry this woman who is kind of outlined as being a prostitute, though it's unclear whether or not Gomer was an adulterer who was sleeping around with men before he married her or he started sleeping around with other men after. But long story short, the, the Bible describes her in a certain kind of way, right? So it says in Hosea, Hosea um, chapter one, that when the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, we're reading from verse two, he said, go and marry a prostitute so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. So Hosea married Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, and she became pregnant and gave Hosea a son. And the Lord said, name the child Jezreel, for I am about to punish King Jehu's dynasty to avenge the murders he committed at Jezreel. In fact, I will bring an end to Israel's independence. I will break its military power in the Jezreel Valley. Mm. Soon, Gomer became pregnant again and gave birth to a daughter. And the Lord said to Hosea, name your daughter Luramah. I know I just pronounced that wrong, but y'all forgive me. Which essentially means not loved. For I will no longer show love to the people of Israel or forgive them. But I will show love to the people of Judah. I will free them from their enemies, not with weapons and armies and horses or charioteers, but by my power as the Lord, their God. And then after Gomer had weaned Loruma, she again became pregnant and gave birth to a second son. And the Lord said, Nahum lo amin, not my people, for Israel is not my people and I am not their God. Y'all, it is just one judgment after the other. One judgment after the other. But long story short, what ends up happening in the story of Hosea and Gomer is that this woman keeps sleeping around. She ends up with another man and God tells Gomer to go and buy her back. Buy her back for 15 shekels of silver. Buy her back with barley. And it basically, for me, is demonstrating God's love for his people. It's demonstrating how you might be so unfaithful, so trife, but God's love pursues. God's love goes after people. And then as I'm reading it, it clicked. In the past couple of months of my life, God has asked me to go and pursue certain people. Now, these certain people in my life are people who I perceive as just like cutting up. I'm like, they're problematic, Lord. They're acting like the folk in Nineveh. And I'm out here like Jonah. Like, whatever they got coming, I just want them to get it. Like, I really don't feel like being used in anybody's life who is not really looking for God anyway. But I recall distinctly God constantly telling me, pursue, pursue, pursue. And I'm like, why? Because my love leaves the 99 for the one. And that I think God was trying to teach me that to walk in God's love, I must constantly be willing to leave the 99 for the one. And sometimes that gets hard when we're church leaders, right? Sometimes congregations grow, they become so large. It gets hard to leave behind a congregation if you're the church of like a, of a mega, if you're the pastor of a mega church for one. But I believe that God wants our hot posture to be in that way. That whenever he tells us like that one, I've called that one. I need that one. Someone needs to pray for that one. Someone needs to intercede for that one. Someone needs to be a blessing for that one. That our heart posture would be in position to say, yes, Lord, send me. I will go. 
And that is essentially what Hosea demonstrated in this story. In his love for Gomer, who was unfaithful over and over again, we don't even know if these kids was his kids or if it was the kids of another baby daddy. But long story short, in demonstrating God's love through his marriage, it was able to show God's faithfulness to the nation of Israel in spite of their idolatry, in spite of their unfaithfulness. So what are some life-based examples? Because I like to give y'all my stories too. I would say that before getting married to my husband, I was legit a commitment phobe runner. I ran from friendships that were too much commitment. I ran from boyfriends that were too much commitment. I didn't like jobs that felt like too much commitment. I just didn't want to commit to anyone. And I never really sat to think down, like, why was I doing that up until this year? And I am not an advocate for breaking up families, but I have to say that I really don't know. You know, I don't know if growing up in an abusive household did more harm than good for me. I'm going to just leave it at that. But long story short, I was a runner. I ran from everything that looked like commitment. I didn't like people who wanted to be too close to me. I didn't want my friendships too close. I lived alone for 10 years and never, ever had a housewarming, no matter how many apartments I have had. No lie, no exaggeration. The first housewarming I ever had in my life was this past December 2019 because my husband insisted. And I never saw my desire to be a runner, to not commit to people, to relationships, to friendships, to organizations, to jobs, to assignments as part of not having or showing perseverance. That when the going got tough, I was like, I don't need this. I'll go somewhere else. Right? When the going got tough in the church, I'm like, nope. I'll go worship right here in this mega church where nobody knows me and live my life in peace. Thank you very much. But that is not what God's calling us to. He is really calling us to have some staying power. He is calling us to be rooted. He is calling us to be planted. He is calling us to be the kind of people who can say, God told me to stay and I stayed and I was blessed in my land of affliction. Are you that kind of person? Can, are you the kind of person who can stay in a valley because God told you to, it looks like nothing's going to come out of that valley, but you know that he's about to bless you in that land of affliction. That is most certainly a season that I feel like my family is walking into. I would also say that you might like perseverance. If you, if you got a new business idea every day, you abandon the old one. Every day is a new one. Like my husband used to tell me, he's like, oh my goodness, you have a new idea all the time. And then when you get bored, you're going to move on to the next thing. So when it came time to start the easy breezy life, I was like, no, I'm going to stick with it. And I have to tell you that I did not think when I was starting this blog back in 2018, that I would still be blogging in 2020, that I would still be podcasting, that it would still be growing, that I'd be doing more things with it. I just didn't even want to start because I'm like, who's about to write all these blog posts? But here we are like 70 blog posts later and, you know, the Holy Spirit still pours out. So I am saying that to say that 
the perseverance is not something that necessarily comes with age. We only develop perseverance when we decide that we're going to persevere. Then when we decide that we're going to have staying power, when we decide that we're not going to run when the going gets tough or when people don't like us or when they're gossiping about us or when they don't make me feel good about myself anymore or when they're not complimenting me anymore. Oh, and I don't feel loved here. Hey, that's not perseverance. Wanting someone to constantly build up your ego and make you feel good about yourself in order for you to feel welcomed or loved or validated in an environment is not God's definition of perseverance. So you need to ask yourself, am I demonstrating perseverance? Am I demonstrating endurance according to God's definition or have I made my own definition in that particular case? And I think for me, the ultimate test of perseverance was again, this NICU experience where I just had to be like, yo, wherever this fork in the road is going to lead us, we're going. I was not about to, on my own volition, unplug my son from no life support machine. I could not live with that. I knew that the type of person I was, the kind of person my husband was, we would not be able to forgive ourselves if we gave up on our son. It would have been one thing for um, God to take him away on his own volition, but we were not. We were not. And I have to tell you that even though there were moments that I thought that God would take him, I would always turn around and just quote the scripture, Lord, like the woman with the unjust judge, I am back again. Your word says that healing is ours. I need to know that you're a healer. So that perseverance produced a certain level of faith in us that allowed us to continue to move forward, to continue to press in our careers, to press in business, to press in new developments, to press as a couple that kind of makes all of the other struggles pale in comparison. Because I know how much faith we had to muster up after losing our daughter, who was really like the healthy baby. She was healthy. And they were like, oh, little black girls do great in the NICU. She'll be home in no time. So imagine all the medical professionals putting their money on one child and then everything that they thought that they understood, what I call the wisdom of men failing them. And after that, I'm just kind of looking like, I don't want to hear nothing that y'all got to say. You and your medicine and your practice and your books, y'all not really God anyway. Um, and we're in this NICU with God alone. Just do what your job is and leave the rest to Jesus. But it taught us perseverance. It taught us to persevere in faith. It taught us um, to love our son, not knowing what his life would be like, not knowing how challenging it was going to be to transition home. I mean, when my son came home, he couldn't even get off the vent. The moment he got off the vent, his oxygen levels dropped. He gasped for air. I have pictures of my husband sitting with him and all of this equipment around him when he first came home. And then the other day we were having the follow-up appointment with his neonatologist where she's like, oh, is he on this? No. Is he on that? No. And I just had to marvel at what God had done in Emmanuel's life from the time that he was home. I had to marvel at God's process as the healing Not being instantaneous as I wanted, but still miraculous when you had a little baby with 20 medical diagnoses coming home and doctors saying like these parents are completely off the wall crazy for thinking that this little boy can live and have a good life. 
And I'm going to tell you something about Manny. Mighty Manny loves some comfort. He loves some kisses. He loves his peace. He loves his, <laughs> he loves his central air. He don't like being uncomfortable for anybody. It makes it very clear when you are making him uncomfortable or disturbing his peace. So I just want to encourage you today as I go. Love is perseverance. Love is looking at hopeless situations, looking at ungrateful people, looking at people who are not faithful and saying, I want to be an example of Christ's love in this situation. I want to demonstrate um, perseverance as God is demonstrating perseverance in the story of Hosea and Gomer. Can you do that? Can you demonstrate that kind of perseverance? Yo, Because a lot of us in our millennial generation, we're like, these mm, ain't loyal, so I'm done. Because that's definitely my cry. Like, you ain't loyal, you cutting up, I'm moving on. So imagine letting that be your battle cry and then the Lord saying, no, but I want you to go back. This is what it means to live the yielded life. Are you ready to yield, Alpha Woman? Because there is a reward for that yield. And there are some things that you're just not going to be able to receive and God's not going to be able to trust you with if you're not willing to persevere. That is it for this week. I love you. God bless you. Chew on that. Mutter on that. I'm going to be re-listening to it myself because I feel like I need to as well, just as much as you do. I love you and have a blessed, healthy, safe week. Praying for your loved ones. Praying for your finances. Praying for your journey, whatever it is that you might be going through in this season. God bless you.